You're listening to the Growing Up Rock Podcast with Stephen Michael and Sonny Hollywood Pooney. Now, crank it up. My God, Hollywood, it feels like we have not recorded in about three months. Man, I am happy to be back in the saddle with you for this holy trilogy of rock and roll episode. Are you ready for this, my friend? I'm ready, but I'd rather have another couple of weeks off from talking to you because I just spent the last half hour talking to you. I'm like, okay, I'm done. Yeah, but you got to admit, you miss me. Uh, No. Come on, man. Hey, the guys over at Cobras and Fire podcast, I think they're going to do a whole podcast mocking me. <laughs> That's pretty easy because I can do 10. When, when are they doing it? Maybe I can join them. I, I don't know. I'm sure they'll invite you. Uh, apparently, <laughs> apparently, in some way, shape, or form, I've become the subject of uh, those guys' podcasts lately. It's all good. Uh, I, you know, if you can't laugh at ourselves, who can we laugh at? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right. So what we're here tonight about, though, is the Holy Trilogy of Rock and Roll. And the phrase Holy Trilogy can mean a lot of things to a lot of people. It's not an episode about Jesus because we frankly did Jesus rock and roll in the past. So it's not about that. It's not about the Holy Trilogy of cooking because there's a Holy Trilogy of cooking, which is for gumbo would be uh, peppers, onion, and roux, I think is the holy trilogy for gumbo. Those of us on the Gulf Coast that grew up down there understand about that. This is actually the holy trilogy of album releases from any one band. And that can be all kinds of different things. The one thing that it has to be faithful to, though, is the albums need to be in succession. So it's not oh, I like the first album, the fifth album, and the eighth album release. That's not a Holy Trilogy. The Holy Trilogy is consecutive records. So whether that's the fifth, sixth, and seventh release of a band, the first, second, and third release of a band, whatever that is to you, it's very personal, right? Some people, it's wherever they came into the band. So it's like, you know, I, I never heard the band's first five albums, but I came in on the sixth album and the next two albums after that were killer. So I like six, seven, and eight. Does that make sense? Yeah, there were some people, uh, <laughs> some people would send me a message saying, shouldn't it be Holy Trinity? And I'm like, okay, you're getting too far into Jesus here. <laughs> no, because normally Holy, a trilogy is normally a movie term, right? Yep. The first three Indiana Jones movies, Superman one, two, three, the first three Lethal Weapon movies. Yep. And then they'll box it up in a, you know, a three DVD or back in the day VHS thing. I think I actually have an Indiana Jones trilogy with the first three on VHS. 
right? So that's kind of where it came from. And I wanted to keep it music versus God. That's why we went kind of the Holy Trilogy route. <laughs> Some people see God when they hear the Holy Trilogy of albums yeah. for them. <laughs> and I kept getting texts. Don't you mean Trinity? No, dude, Trilogy. Just <laughs> put your priest caps down. We're talking about rock and roll here, people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so obviously this was a listener participation episode. So we got the listeners involved. Uh, if you're wondering as a listener, how do you get involved? Well, the easiest way to do that is go join the Loud Minority Facebook group because Sonny often posts things there. You can also send us your email because a lot of times Sonny will email out a survey or a question or whatever, whatever it is that uh, the subject is of that particular episode. So uh, one way to get involved is to share your email address with Sonny, but I get it. Some people aren't into that. So by all means, just join the Loud Minority Facebook group. And if you don't want to do any of those things, you can always send us an email. But that's how you get involved in these listener participation episodes. So we got a lot of listeners involved, and I think the uh, feedback was quick and swift. Sonny posted it, and probably an hour or two after that, he had 45 or 50 uh, answers, right? Yeah, I was very surprised, right? Because to me, like before I put out the post, I'm like, all right, well, let me get on my phone. And I was on a plane at the time, and I'm like, all right, let me think of just off the top of my head, how many can I come up with bands that have these trilogies? And I came up with maybe 10, right? And a couple of those were a stretch, but okay, fine. I put the post out, just like you said, the hit after hit after hit. I never even got to put it on Twitter or email because we got so many hits. A hundred bands were mentioned. (laughs) I didn't even, I'm like, really? (laughs) Those But I forgot. It's exactly what you said. If you started listening to music in 1979 and Rush was your jam, then probably whatever got released in 79, 81, and 82 are yours. But then the person who got into music in 82 and that Rush was their jam, they're into the 83, 84, 86. Yes. Right? So it's all about that. Especially bands like that that have different phases of their career. Like, they don't sound completely the same throughout their entire career. Uh, That really is an important factor with a lot of bands. And it's just a very personal thing. And I was able to come up with some. And I looked at some of the listeners' answers, and I was like... Yeah, wow, that's a stretch. And there were a lot of <laughs> there were a lot of bands for me where there were two great albums in a row, but then the third album was like, ah, uh, or the first of the three was kind of like, eh, meh, but the the following two were killer, you know. So it just it, it really depends on your taste and when you came into things and yeah, I mean, that's what it comes down to, as does most music anyway, but well, look, before we get too far deep in the sticks with this, you know, we got to do this. It's time for the Crank It Up Music Spotlight. So as we're recording tonight's episode, we are in the midst of summer. And so I wanted to share with you guys a song that is fantastic summertime driving music. And that is a new one from the band The Defiance. 
Their latest album, Drive, was released in June. The Defiance, if you're not familiar, they have two albums previous to this one that they just released. Paul Lane and Bruno Ravel from Danger Danger, also guitarist Rob Marcello, who was also in Danger Danger at one point in time. So these guys have had this side project, The Defiance, for a while. The first two albums are pretty decent, and this latest one, Drive, that they released, I think is also very good. So check out this song, 19 Summertime. So I don't usually start by saying these words when you pick a song. <laughs> I love that song. <laughs> I, it wasn't because I had not heard it yet. I knew the album was coming out because there was people talking about it. When you're a Monsters of Rock cruiser, everybody's talking Danger, Danger, and Ted Poley and anything that connects to Danger, Danger at some point, right? So I knew the album was coming out. And uh, I was telling you before we started recording, I, I turned the song on. It was seconds. And immediately it felt good. Yeah. And I was like, what is going on here? So I listened to the song. I'm like, man, this song's just like modern day, danger, danger, same vibe, same fun, rewind right back to 1989. And it's like they have this confidence because, well, they've been in the music business forever, right? So then I switched, I flipped to some of the other songs. Dude, most of that album was hitting my ear just in the right place for the right time. And I was like, man, this stuff is pretty good. It's just, you know, after, <laughs> and you're going to hear what some of the listeners had to say, because I went and listened to some of this music that was Holy Trilogy. And I'm like, God, ooh, that's a little, <laughs> it's a little dark. <laughs> so after listening to that kind of stuff, this stuff felt like just shiny bubbles and like bubble gum. And it was awesome. Uh, maybe that's why I liked it so much. It just hit me at the right time. It's all about timing and music, Sonny Pony. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, must be. <laughs> but I thought it was a great song. Paul sounds great. Yeah, the, the band sounds really good. Like I said, I like the Defiance first two records. This record has some really good stuff on it. Now, I will say, and let me prerequisite this by saying that I haven't spent a ton of time with this new album. However, the first half of the record feels really strong to me. And then it slows up a little bit towards the end. So I have to spend a little bit more time with the record, but I do the songs that I enjoy right off the bat. I really enjoy, which is the majority of the record. I'll say that up front. So uh, I have high hopes for this defiance record. It could actually end up in, in my top 20 at the end of the year. If I'm able to spend some more time with it for sure. 
please make sure you hit that follow button to subscribe to Growing Up Rock Podcast so you don't miss an episode. So get into the episode. We're going to each share five bands that we feel have holy trilogies. And we're going to share the almost hundred bands that the listeners mentioned. But I wanted to share what the post was first. So basically, here's all I posted. Holy Trilogy Definition. A group of three related albums that absolutely rock can happen at any time during an artist or band's history. A band and artist having a holy trilogy of albums during their lifetime is tough to do. Can you name a band that has one? Share with us the band and the three albums you believe deserve the recognition. The only rule is the three albums must have been released consecutively. And then I just said, go. I didn't say no live albums. I didn't say only studio albums. So when some folks were kind of adding the live albums in between, I'm like, okay, I get it. That's consecutive. I get it, right? That, and a lot of times, for instance, Scorpions Worldwide Live, well, that was part of, you know, I went from basically Blackout to Love It First Thing to Worldwide Live. Like, that's a great three-album run, right? So whatever. It didn't, didn't really matter. I could not believe how many people jumped on this thing. So that's why I want to share so many of them. So we are going to pepper in the listeners and uh, what they shared. So And still, as straightforward as that post was, we still had some people that cheated or, or didn't get it right. Yeah, <laughs> and I left a couple of those guys off the list because I don't want to make those people feel too bad, but I did leave, leave some in. So anyway... <laughs> Lamro answers. And the other thing, we got some folks to ping on this thing that we rarely hear from. Yeah. Right? Because they're busy guys, right? So Lamro, John Lamro uh goes, Earth, Wind and Fire had only one bad album, so pick anyone you want. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. Uh Matt Shelton, uh Steely Dan, pick any of the first seven albums. You can pick any three out of the first seven. I don't know, Steely Dan that well. Uh, good for Steely Dan. I don't I don't know. I can attest to that. As a Steely yeah. Dan fan, I have this greatest hits box set that has all the albums in it, and I can listen to that thing literally start to finish. Yeah. Okay. All right. So some of the others, 38 special. So Tony Mattis said, Wild Eyes, Southern Boys, Special Forces, and Tour de Force. Okay. ACDC got a ton of play. So most were in the Highway to Hell, Back in Black, for those about to rock. So Brad Rustovan, Alan Tate, David Rudot, Nicole Beard, Matt Fraley all had the same three. Yep. Then we had James Oddie said, eh, it's more like if you want blood, Highway to Hell, Back in Black. And then Jeff Goss says, it's more like Let There Be Rock, Powerage, and mm -hmm. Highway to Hell. Yep. And then Michael Murphy, Tom S., and Pete Caselli say, it's more Powerage, Highway to Hell, Back in Black. So I think it depends on when you got into ACDC. Which one of these would you agree with? Well, for me personally, it's the highway to hell back in black and for those about to rock because that's my that's my timing on ACDC. So I, I've said it before on the podcast. I got into highway to hell and back in black almost consecutively. Highway to hell was a little bit ahead of the of the curb, but it I started getting into it just as back in black was coming out. So for me, Highway to Hell, Back in Black, and For Those About to Rock. For Those About to Rock, that record, for whatever reason, gets a lot of grief, I guess, because it's trying to follow up a record like Back in Black. But honestly, I think it's a great record. I mean, that's a killer record. So I don't quite understand that. And I think the people like the person that says, let there be rock, powerage, and Highway to Hell, well, they just, they're bond scout all the way right they don't want to have anything to do with brian johnson but the person that says if you want blood highway to hell and back in black 
that's the guy that likes Bon Scott, but also knows there's no denying back in black. Like, yeah, if you're an ACDC fan, whether it's fatigue or not, you can't deny that album. So you can go any number of ways with ACDC. But to me, I don't think there's necessarily a wrong answer there. Yeah. So the next one is Aerosmith. Daniel Peoples went with Permanent Vacation, Pump, and Get a Grip. And I'll tell you honestly, those are the only three I can stomach. But the popular one, Brian Davis, Jeff Goss, Gary Lee Gibson, Pete Costelli, Antonio Sarek went, Get Your Wings, Toys in the Attic, and Rocks. And I'm assuming if you are an Aerosmith fan, those are the three. Yeah, I mean, for me, Toys in the Attic and Rocks are fantastic albums. Get Your Wings, I like some of it on there. I don't know if I like the whole record from start to finish, but it's really good. And the same, like, I don't have a problem with 80s Aerosmith. So I really love Permanent Vacation and Pump, but Get a Grip is kind of questionable to me. Like, there's some stuff on Get a Grip that I don't really love. And you could actually, I could do almost Done With Mirrors, Permanent Vacation and Pump. So I could actually go that way because I really think Done With Mirrors is a good record. So it just depends on on your taste, but uh, yeah, uh, neither one of those answers is wrong. I guess I'm I'm okay with both of those. Okay, so next we get with Alice Cooper. So I'm going to keep calling him Tom S because his last name is Staszewski, and I don't even know if that's right. So that's why I'm going to keep calling him Tom S. <laughs> he went with uh, "Love It to Death," "Killer Schools Out," and then said you could even go "Billion Dollar Babies." But then Brandon Barrier said, killer schools out, billion-dollar babies. So, you know, we're both not huge Alice Cooper fans, so that's fine. Somebody had Alter Bridge. Keith Rochford said, Blackbird, Alter Bridge 3, and Fortress. Great. We had an Angel fan show up. So Kevin Melbourne, on earth as it is in heaven, <laughs> white, hot, and sinful. I had not even heard of those three albums. Because anything I've heard from Angel, I pretty much didn't like, so I never really dove in. But... Kevin loves them, so that's great. Well, doesn't that kind of go with the Holy Trilogy? So we're talking Holy Trilogy. We're talking Angel. We're talking album titles like On Earth As It Is In Heaven and Sinful. I mean, that's a very religious selection. (laughs) Uh, Yes, it is. (laughs) And Alter Bridge, Blackbird is a desert island record for a lot of people. Yeah. I, I like that record, too. Yeah. So then we had some folks... Because they knew I was involved. Of course, they got to come out of the woodwork with this shit. (laughs) So we got BC from Potter Than Hell goes, Armored Saint, March of the Saint, Delirious Nomad, and Raising Fear. I'm like, whatever. Joe Schaefer goes with Bad Company. Bad Company, Straight Shooter, and Run With a Pack. And hell, most of those songs are on 10 from 6, so that's what I own. (laughs) Badlands. So Brett Santee said, Badlands, Voodoo, Highway, Dusk. First of all, that's their only three albums, which is great. But kind of like what you were saying on some of these other guys, Badlands album is great. I love Voodoo Highway. Dusk is iffy. Like about, I like about half of it. Yeah. I mean, I don't even love all of Voodoo Highway. The Badlands record, I mean, the first Badlands record, that's a, that's a Desert Island record for me, actually. But Voodoo Highway is mostly decent, but there's some stuff that's kind of, it's a letdown after the, after the debut for me. Yeah. And then Dusk, just like you said, same thing. Black Crows made uh, uh, an appearance, and it wasn't from Huddy, which was amazing. Uh, Mike Brewer and Darren Hunt both agreed it should be Southern Harmony, Amorica, and Three Snakes and One Charm. I was surprised it got away from the first record, but I get it. Black Rebel Motorcycle Club made an appearance. Jolie Alder, and Jolie gave me like 10. Jolie said, BRMC, take them on on your own. 
Howl, and then you can even add Baby 81. I didn't even know those were names of albums. I had to look all that shit up. So I don't even know who Black Rebel Motorcycle Club is really. So <laughs> I've heard of them, but that's about as much as I know. Black Sabbath was a popular one. And we had four different people answer and four, all four were different. So Jeff Goss went with Volume 4, Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath, Sabotage. Stephen Wood went with Master of Reality, Volume 4, Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath. Adrian Poole went with Black Sabbath, Paranoid, Master of Reality. And then Brad Rustovan's like, yep, somebody's got to do it. Heaven and Hell, Mob Rules, Born Again. <laughs> so I guess it depends on if you're Ozzy or Dio. And then I guess it depends on how whiny you want your Ozzy, maybe. I'm not sure. Well, I think out of all of that, so Heaven and Hell and Mob Rules are a no-brainer for me. But Born Again is really a tough sell. It's, yeah, that just, that recording is so awful. But out of the rest of them, I tend to lean towards the Black Sabbath, Paranoid, and Master of Reality as a better trilogy than the rest. I don't like volume four that much. We talked about volume four on our fourth anniversary or whatever, when we were doing four, uh, the four series. So that's a tough sell, but, uh, black Sabbath, paranoid master reality. That's pretty good. I guess. I don't know. Some, some of that Sabbath, that second side of that black Sabbath, uh, original record is meh. And then we had two rule breakers. So Christopher Powell says blind guardian. So he listed At the Edge of Time, Beyond the Red Mirror, and The God Machine. Now, I don't know anything about Blind Guardian, so Christopher, you made me want to go research. So I go research, and these are all newer albums. It's power metal, right? Yeah, basically. But Christopher forgot there's an album called Legacy of the Darklands that was released before God Machine. So he didn't follow his own rules on a band I've never heard of. <laughs> so watch, now Christopher will email us and say, yeah, but that was a solo record by only the guitar player and the... <laughs> Hey, it was listed on the thing. Like, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> um, I also don't know anything about Boba Flex. So Ivan, <laughs> Ivan Gilsick says, hell in my heart, charlatan's web, anything that moves. Well, when I went, and go, went to go research it, Eloquent Demons was released in between charlatan's web and anything that moves. So is that something we missed or is that, no, no, that doesn't count. That was the second singer and the third keyboardist. Like, I don't know, but uh, sounds like to me, both of them broke rules. Baco and uh, Luis can help us with this one. They're they're both Boba Flex fans, or they were one time. And right here, I would imitate Baco in my best Minnesotian accent. Well, heck, if you want to play games here, okay, I'll do a damn lot count. Darn tootin', so damn important to you. So take off, <laughs> hoser, okay? Whatever. <laughs> I don't know. Isn't it sort of a Canadian, like, uh, I don't know, Fargo is all I could think of. Wow. Wow. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to go with one of my first choices, and nobody mentioned my first choice, and that is House of Lords. So I got into House of Lords right when they came out in 88. And why? You know, it wasn't really that I heard a song and I was completely into it. It was all because of Gene Simmons. They were on Simmons Records. And I was becoming a huge Kiss fan. So anything Paul or Gene were touching or Ace was touching was starting to become like gold for me, right? So just because they're on Simmons Records, I'm like, well, I got to go at least listen to them. And I immediately fell in love with James Christian's voice. So I went with House of Lords, which released in 88, Sahara, which released in 90, and Demons Down, which released in 92. So if you don't know anything about those records, the House of Lords self-titled record topped out at number 78 on the Billboard 200. I Want to Be Loved was all over MTV, topped out at 58 on the Hot 100. 
my faves off that album are songs called Looking for Strange, Pleasure Palace, and I Want to Be Loved. Now, there's something weird about House of Lords because for some reason, Rick Nielsen ended up being involved several times with this band. So, like on this album, he co-wrote a song called Slip of the Tongue. Now, at this point, when House of Lords starts, it's James Christian on vocals, Greg Jufri on keyboards, Lanny Cordola on guitar, Chuck Wright on bass, Ken Mari on, or Mary, or however you want to say it, Mary. on drums. Yeah, on drums. So then we go to 1990. A few member changes happen. Basically, Michael Guy comes in, exit Lanny Cordola, and then you got like Doug Aldridge also helping on guitars. They get a little more help because Rick Nielsen now is playing lead guitar on a song. And you got Impelitary doing a guitar solo, and you got Mike Tramp and Robin Zander and Steve Plunkett and Ron Keel doing backing vocals. And the music landscape is starting to change, and out comes an uh, album called Sahara. Desert Island album for me. It only topped out at 121 on the Billboard 200 and had no Billboard 100 hits. My faves, Remember My Name, which is a ballad that should have been a huge hit in 1990, so I don't know exactly how they missed that. Lay Down, Stay Down, which is a great song, and Shoot, which is great too. This album, Rick Nielsen actually wrote that he was the only writer on a song called Heart on the Line, and then they released it, Cheap Trick did, 26 years later, and then, of course, I already mentioned that Robin Zander did backing vocals on the song, so somehow they were connected to Cheap Trick, but I'm not exactly sure how. 1992 comes around. Now the musical landscape has definitely changed. They get a few more member changes, so basically Dennis Chick comes in for guitar, and Michael Guy leaves. Sean McNabb comes in on bass, Chuck Wright leaves, and you got Paul Stanley doing backing vocals on the song. Grunge basically killed this album. Obviously, the album's called Demons Down. My fave on this album are the title track, Can't Five Love, which is the one that has Paul Stanley on it, and What's Forever 4, which, again, a ballad, if released in 86, would have been a monster hit. So that's my first trilogy, House of Lords, Sahara, Demons Down. What do you think of that one before I uh, share my second one? Well, so for me, House of Lords, the debut record was a little bit too keyboard heavy for me, so I didn't love it, but I absolutely loved Sahara. I thought Sahara was killer. Like They moved the guitar up in the mix, uh, so I was a real big fan of that record. Demons Down, to be honest, when I initially heard that record, I didn't 
love it because I thought that maybe it lost a little bit of the edge that Sahara had. But honestly, I haven't listened to that record in so long, so I can't give an honest opinion about it. I'm not familiar enough with it. And then my second band, actually, I was so proud that there was five people. So first of all, I want to thank these five people. I want to thank everybody for answering. But these five folks, Mike Jones, Stu Preston, Jeff Goss, Paul Frost, Rob Webb, all went with Y&T, all went with the same three albums, Earthshaker, Black Tiger, Mean Streak. It's so great to hear that people out there love Y&T. I went with Y&T as my second band, but I actually didn't go with these three albums. I actually went one album later. So I went with Black Tiger, Mean Streak, and In Rock We Trust. And it's got more to do with Earthshaker's a little raw for me, although I love the album. In Rock We Trust fits a little more of that 80s kind of hard rock, hair metal, whatever you want to call it, that I liked. Uh, all three of these albums that I'm talking about, Black Tiger, Mean Streak, In Rock We Trust, have the original four. So Dave Manichetti on guitar and vocals. you got Phil Kettemore on bass, Joey Owls on guitar, Leonard Hayes on drums. All three albums were on A&M. Black Tiger came on 82, Desert Island album for me. Didn't hit the charts at all, so whatever. The songs I love on there, Open Fire, Forever, Barroom Boogie, and the title track. Mean Street comes out in 83, Desert Island album for me. Topped out at 103 on the Billboard 200. Great songs, Hang Em High, Break Away, Breaking Away, and the title track, Mean Street. And then In Rock We Trust came out the very next year in 84, topped out at number 45. So they were obviously on this trajectory that leads them to Summertime Girls on the next album. Great songs on this one, including Lipstick and Leather, Don't Stop Running, and Rock and Roll's Gonna Save the World. So... I know you're a Y&T fan. Would you agree with the Earthshaker, Black Tiger, Mean Streak or the Black Tiger, Mean Streak and In Rock We Trust? No, I think I'm more in line with you, Black Tiger, Mean Street and Rock We Trust. Now, for me as a fan, had it ended up this way uh, for discography, it would have been Mean Street and Rock We Trust and probably Contagious. But you had Down for the Count in between there. And Down for the Count was a little bit of my disconnect after In Rock We Trust. Uh, but I, I loved Contagious. So, but yeah, Black Tiger Mean Street, In Rock We Trust would be my, uh, my holy trilogy. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once, new quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. 
Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. All right, let's go with your first two. All right, so my first two, uh, yeah, I, I picked a bunch of bands that Sonny hates on this one, but that's all right. These were my these were my trilogy records growing up. So I'm going to start off with Accept. For me personally, I got into Accept starting with Restless and Wild, and from there it was Restless and Wild, Balls to the Wall, and ended with Metal Heart. Restless and Wild and Balls to the Wall are just straight up hard rock and metal. Uh, that is Udo at his best. That is Accept at his best. Opening up with Restless and Wild with a song like Fast as a Shark, which could be considered one of the first thrash metal songs uh, in the early days. And then from there, they went to Metal Heart. And Metal Heart started to, you kind of see that the band and probably the label was trying to drive the band into a more pop you know, radio friendly, except because there's a little bit more of that on Metal Heart. I still love the record, but some of the records that came after that, especially when they had um, uh, David Reese come in, were a little bit less metal and a little bit more like hard rock. But for me, the holy trilogy of except records are Restless and Wild, Balls to the Wall and Metal Heart. completely yucko to me so I, I got no love for that but jeff goss had some love on except but he went breaker restless and wild and balls to the wall so breaker must have been like more of a uh a hidden gem type album i guess well for me the earlier so i came in on restless and wild and balls to the wall right after that and then once i became that fan i had a couple of records under my belt i went back and tried to discover some of the earlier except like breaker and there are some gem of songs on there, but as a whole, it's a little bit too different and a little bit too like the recording isn't as modern and the guitars don't sound as heavy. And I just I didn't 
I just remember trying them when I was a kid and I was like, ah, I'll stick with wrestles and wild and balls to the wall. <laughs> so that was kind of the, the factor for me. Now I should go back and listen to some of those records now having, uh, some time under my belt. Maybe I'll appreciate them more, but for me, restless and wild balls, the wall and metal heart. And I understand why somebody wouldn't like uh metal heart, because like I said, they started moving in a little bit different direction, but I think that record's killer. I think there's a lot of great stuff on that record. Before you share your second one, I want to say this piece because sometimes people don't always kind of understand this piece. When you have a hundred bands mentioned and a hundred and 20, 130 people answer a email, a post or whatever. And you have such a span of time and music for three or four people to land on the same three albums for a band. Okay. We had one set of three albums land with nine people. We had one that landed with one set of three that landed with 14 different people. Okay, so the one you're going to mention next actually landed with nine people had the exact same as you go for it. Yeah, so it's no uh, surprise to any of the listeners that have listened to Sonny and I talk about our growing up rock years that Iron Maiden was a huge part of that for me. They're in my top 10 all time favorite bands. And that's considered that there's a lot of Iron Maiden that I'm not a huge fan of, especially the more newer stuff. But that being said, Number of the Beast, Peace of Mind, and Power Slave are my bang zone of Iron Maiden. I came into the band with Killers. So Killers, Paul Deanna was technically my introduction to Iron Maiden. And I went backwards and got the first record after Killers. So I was entrenched in Paul Deanna, Iron Maiden for the first part. But Number of the Beast came out, introduced Bruce, Peace of Mind after that, and Power Slave. Peace of Mind is what really solidified my super fandom because the riffs, Where Eagles Dare, Flight of Icarus, it just, I absolutely wore that album out as a kid. And then I got to see Iron Maiden for the first time on the Power Slave tour. So Number of the Beast, Peace of Mind, Power Slave are my hands down favorite iron maiden records and then somewhere in time is good but after somewhere in time they kind of lost me like i was not a fan of the seventh son of the seventh son or whatever that record is like they kind of lost me uh with that one so really my last maiden record that i really enjoyed well, this that's not completely true because I did enjoy Brave New World, but my last Iron Maiden record of the old Iron Maiden was probably somewhere in time. So the nine that agree with you, Number of Beast, Peace of Mind, Power Slave, Brian Foster, Daniel Peoples, Chris Fretwell, Anthony Barone, Stu Preston, Buddy Baker, Danny Miller, Greg Keeling, and Tim Selby all said the same ones. Dave Clark actually said Power Slave, Somewhere in Time, Seventh Son of a Seventh Son. So he could be a little younger. He may like uh, that synth bass a little bit more because that's kind of where that showed up. Mm -hmm. And then Steve Libby went with, he actually gave me four. He said, Peace of Mind, Power Slave, Somewhere in Time. Mm -hmm. And I would probably agree with Steve more. That's more my probably bang zone of Maiden. I Love Maiden is one of my top 10 bands. But there's not really a desert island disc for me but those four are the ones that come the closest for me yeah live after death is fantastic 
And it's the first time that I heard those old songs with Bruce's voice. Yeah. So then when I went backwards and heard that other voice that I absolutely dislike, right? I'm like, I'll just lie, listen live after that. If I want to hear those songs, I don't need to hear it from some other thing. So I own all those albums, but I'm not in love with Deanna. Did you not ever get to see them on any of those earlier tours? Uh, my first was somewhere in time. Uh, 86. Okay. Vinny Vincent opened. <laughs> Wasp opened mine. <laughs> so, so let's share some more from the listeners. So Bon Jovi made the list. Yeah. Uh, three different ways, actually. So Danny Elam and Dave Kostka said 7,800 Fahrenheit, Slippery When Wet, New Jersey. R.C. Slees went with the self-titled record, 7,800 Fahrenheit, Slippery When Wet. And great name for a podcast, by the way, Rock Out With Your Talk Out. Huh. What a great name for a podcast. Yeah, that is. And uh, one of my good friends, Stephanie Temples, went with Slippery When Wet, New Jersey, and Keep the Faith. And I think if I had to pick out of these three, I think I would go with Slippery, New Jersey, Keep the Faith. Are you more the Fahrenheit, Slippery, When Wet, New Jersey? Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. that's me. I'm, I'm definitely a 7,800 Slippery and New Jersey guy. Yeah, yeah. David Cathy went with the first three Boston albums. I'm going to tell you, I did a Boston deep dive. That first album is awesome. Man, does it derail after that. That second album is about half awesome. By the time you get to third stage, I think I like three songs. Yeah, I don't I don't agree with you on that. I think the first three Boston records are good, but there's such a long break in between Boston Don't Look Back and then the third stage. There's there's a huge break in between Don't Look Back and Third Stage. I actually saw them on the third stage tour, which was the first time I ever got to see them. I don't know. I mean, Don't Look Back is just kind of a they tried to replicate a lot of stuff that was on that debut record and I still think it's good, but it's the first record it, it's it's don't look back is like for those about to rock trying to follow up back in black it's the same thing don't look back is trying to follow up you know boston's debut record which is essentially like back in black to acdc it's just it's a piece of work right yeah yeah uh huddy our buddy at state of america podcast he's really getting into bruce springsteen lately and they're doing a, a whole thing on bruce springsteen or they've done a bunch so you can go check it out but he went with Born to Run, Darkness on the Edge of Town, and the River. I don't like Bruce, so I don't care. My beautiful daughter Gianna answered and said, the three Bruno Mars albums, which is Doo-Wops and Hooligans, Unorthodox Jukebox, and 24 Karat Magic. And I know you don't know a ton about Bruno Mars. My family absolutely loves Bruno Mars. So that's kind of where our Venn diagrams connect. I like a lot of Bruno Mars. It's just not something that, I mean, look, a lot of Bruno Mars stuff shows up on the playlist it's mostly the hits but both myself and jen like to throw it on drive playlist phil myers went with brian adams you want it you got it cuts like a knife and reckless so cuts like a knife and reckless i know so i went back and checked out you want it you got it it's okay you can see the seedlings that are about to come mm-hmm. that's that's kind of what i felt with that record saw him sunday night Oh, was he good? I saw him and Joan Jett opened up. So it was a, it was a great show because hour, hour and 10 minutes of Joan Jett. And then you get almost two hours of Brian Adams. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. So that's a great bill. And yeah, he's good. He played most of the hits, but there were a couple of songs that he left off. And there were a couple of songs he played that I was kind of like, why? So, so I don't know, but yeah, you know, his band is killer. Keith Scott, his guitar player has been with him forever. So good. Uh, so yeah, just a great all around show for sure. Thanks to Christopher Powell, Cannibal Corpse made the list with Kill, 
evisceration plague and torture. Dude, I went and tried to listen. I jumped around songs. I, wow. I, I, wow. I, I just can't handle that stuff. Cheap Trick made the list. So Jeff Goss, Tom S., and Robert Lawson went with In Color, Heaven Tonight, Dream Police. But then Pete Costelli went with Heaven Tonight, Live at Budokan, and Dream Police. I can understand why Pete's going there because with Live at Budokan, you kind of get to like a greatest hits album almost, yeah. um, which both make sense to me, I guess. I'm not the hugest Cheap Trick fan, but I understand. Cinderella made the list. Danny Elam and Phil Myers. Night Songs, Long Cold Winter, Heartbreak Station. I've said it before. Dude, after Night Songs, I absolutely lose interest in this band. I don't lose interest in them, but Night Songs by far is head and shoulders above everything else. Long Cold Winter is about 75%, and Heartbreak Station is about 50% for me. So it does go downhill. Okay. Completely. Chris Amore or Amore? Not sure. Dylan you're going to have to call us and tell us if these are good albums. But he said, Coheed and Cambria. So listen to these album titles. The second stage, Turbine Blade. That's one album title. The second one is In Keeping Secrets of Silent Earth 3. So there must be a two and a one, I guess. Then there's a Good Apollo on Burning Star 4, Volume 1, From Fear Through the Eyes of Madness. Dude, just... Saying those out loud, I'll never listen to Coheed ever again. <laughs> that's that's a long song, a long album title. Can you imagine putting the good Apollo on Burning Star Five Volume One from Fear <laughs> Through the Eyes of Madness tour on the back of a t-shirt? <laughs> good Lord. And I remember they opened for Maiden one year and they started up and then forty five minutes later they were done and I could have swear to God they played one song. <laughs> Well, in fairness, I saw it, and in fairness, I don't need to see it again. <laughs> <laughs> Collective Soul made the list with Daniel Peoples. Hints, allegations, and the things left unsaid. Collective Soul, a self-titled album, and Discipline Breakdown. I don't know that much Collective Soul, so I'm sure that's fine. Yeah, those three records are very good. Wally Norton from the CGCM podcast. Yep. Dude, Wally never answers these things. Went with Coney Hatch. So the self-title record, Out of Hand and Friction. I've tried Coney Hatch before. I I'm not in love with it. Yeah, I know you don't dig them. I do dig them. I'd love to see them on Mork at some point, but those are three great albums. Matt Shelton with, with, went with Coroner. <laughs> not Foreigner. <laughs> coroner. With No More Color, Mental Vortex, and Grin. Okay. And followed that up with a band called Death. By Christopher Powell, he said, human, individual thought patterns, and symbolic. I'm like, okay, whatever. I'm guessing either one of these dudes listens to our podcast. Yeah, I'm thinking that's probably not right. Yeah. <laughs> I think Christopher does, but he's got, he's got some death metal in him. That's for sure. I'm guessing they hate our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and then Def Leppard absolutely made the list, but three different ways. So Jolie and Dave Koska said, on through the night, high and dry, pyromania. Paul Heider Dave Clark, Tony Masalem, Brennan Barrier, Sean Thornton went with the ones that are normally the list you get, which is High and Dry, Pyromania, and Hysteria. And then Brian Connors, he saw all that, and then he put something going, Pyromania, Hysteria, Adrenalize, sent me a picture of the 43 million copies those three have sold and said, debate's over. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Here's my here's my trilogy of Def Leppard, High and Dry, Pyromania, Adrenalize. But you can't do Adrenalize. You skipped hysteria. Yep. My podcast, my rules. Boom. <laughs> okay, whatever. Whatever. <laughs> uh, thanks to Jolie, Depeche Mode made the list. Uh, some great reward, Black Celebration, Music for the Masses. I don't know. All I know from them is people are people. That's it. 
Dio was somewhat popular. All the same list, though. Alex Alt, Danny Elam, Mark Arnold, Rolando Boo. Rolando? Hey, haven't talked to you in a while. They went with Holy Diver, Last in Line, Sacred Heart, which is the Vivian albums. That probably doesn't surprise anybody. No, nah, that that would be my uh, Holy Trilogy of Dio Records would beat the first three as well. I know a lot of people don't like Sacred Heart, but I do. Yeah. Uh, Drive-By Truckers made the list. Uh, Dean Gavney said, Southern Rock Opera, Decoration Day, and The Dirty South. I tried that. I liked about half of all the songs on those three albums. It, it wasn't bad. Um, and then Extreme made the list two different ways. David August said the self-titled album, Porno Graffiti, Three Sides. But then Gino Ames said, Porno, Three Sides, Waiting for the Punchline. Wow. Um, Extreme, like Three Sides is half of that's a tough listen for me, and I love Extreme. Waiting for the Punchline, I think, is a little bit better than Three Sides. Do you really? You really? You like yeah. I, I got to go back and listen to that record because I swear Waiting for the Punchline had one maybe two songs that i actually liked on it and i went and picked up waiting for the punchline because i kept seeing people talk about it and i was like man i really do not remember liking that record and i picked it up basically because i want it to be i picked it up because i knew the new record was coming and i want it to be somewhat of a uh, completist when it came to its stream so i swear i only remember like and cynical off that Isn't record. Isn't Star on that record? No, Star, Star is on. You're a star. Is that the next one? That that's yeah, that's on uh Sudasti Rock. Yeah, yeah. No, I remember liking Punchline better than Three Sides, but part of it was I wanted another porno record, and Three Sides was not that. Correct. And I was very disappointed. The disappointment was very similar to when Bullet Boys went to Freak Show. Like it was that kind of disappointment. The Bullet Boys, I didn't think, was as big of a departure. Three Sides was really uh, a disappointment for me for the exact same reason that you mentioned. But All right. So getting back to my third and fourth pick. So for my third trilogy, I went with Dokken. And so did R.C. Sleaze. So did Tony Basalam, of course, because he's a huge Dokken fan. And Cal Hins. And all four of us went with the same trilogy, Tooth and Nail, Under Lock and Key, Back for the Attack. So if you remember, first of all, all three of these albums have the original four. So you got Don Dockin on vocals, George Lynch on guitar, Pilsen on bass, Mick Brown on drums. All three are platinum albums. Tooth and Nail comes out in 84. Great album. Topped out at number 49 on the Billboard 200. Alone Again topped out at number 64 on the Billboard 100. I'm surprised. Alone Again should have done even better. They probably should have re-released it. They missed out on that. My faves on that album are Into the Fire, the title track, and Alone Again. Then Under Lock and Key comes, and oh my God, was in my dreams on MTV like every other minute felt like. In 85, Desert Island album for me, topped out at number 33 on the Billboard 200. In My Dreams got to number 77 on the Billboard 100. My faves on that album are Lightning Strikes Again, Jaded Heart, Unchained the Night. Then Back for the Attack comes out in 87, Desert Island album for me, topped out at number 13 on the Billboard 200. Burning Like a Flame was absolutely everywhere and got to the Billboard 100, topping out of 72. My fave on that one, Kiss of Death, which is an apt, it could be my favorite Dawkins song. Prisoner and Heaven Sent are my faves on that. So I think we would all agree, the people listening and the two of us, that they were headed to headline at least arenas, but they end up breaking up. So now instead of being like Tesla and still being able to play theaters, they're more like Steelheart and playing clubs.
You can help out the podcast greatly by leaving us a five-star review at Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, or Spotify. The links are in the show notes. Or just drop us a line at our email, growinguprock at gmail.com. That's an easy one for me. I mean, I'm 100% in line with uh, your assessment. Tooth and nail, under lock and key back for the attack. Three almost perfect albums for me. And definitely my trilogy for Dokken. So in my fourth pick was actually Whitesnake. And somebody agreed, but I figured they would not agree with the three albums that I picked. And actually, they went to a different style of Whitesnake. So Jim Polkowski said, ready and willing, live in the heart of the city, and come and get it. And I get it. Jim probably likes the blues-based Whitesnake. I went with Slide It In, the 87 record, and Slip of the Tongue. And Slip of the Tongue is usually where I lose people because they're like, what the hell? And I'll get to it in a second. So Slide It In, releases in 84. It was one of the first albums I bought. Desert Island album for me. Top 40 on Billboard 200. It went double platinum. No hit singles on Billboard 100. But you can't, like, Slide It In's on that album. Love Ain't No Stranger. Guilty of Love, Slow and Easy. Such great songs on that album. And I listened to the U.S. version, that U.K. version. I can't hear it. I can't listen to that. I, I got to hear Sykes on guitar. So the version that I've loved of Slide It In is really covered on vocals, obviously. Sykes on guitar, Murray on bass, Neil Murray on bass, Cozy Powell on drums, John Lord on keyboards. That's by Slide It In. Then we go to 1987, the Whitesnake album, which is Desert Island for me also. Hit the number two on Billboard 200. Number 79, uh, Still the Night went to 79 on the Billboard 100. Here I Go Again was a number one hit. Is This Love was a number two hit. Give Me All Your Love was a number 48 hit. Eight times platinum. My faves, literally every song, but if I had to pick today, it's probably Bad Boys, Give Me All Your Love, and Crying in the Rain. Uh, here, you know, John Sykes is still on guitar, but everybody else is gone from the whole blues-based White Snake. Murray survives on bass on this album, and then Ansley Dunbar comes in, and Cozy Powell's out. Don Airy comes in, John Lord is out. So then we come to 1989, and we have even more changes in personnel. So Sykes is gone. So is Vivian Campbell, didn't even make the record ever, and Steve Vai comes in. So that's where you got me, because he's coming off of David Lee Roth right into Whitesnake. Neil Murray's gone, Rudy Sarzo comes in, Ansley Dunbar's gone, Tommy Aldridge is here now, and you got Adrian Vandenberg in the band, but he doesn't play on this album because he, he had a sickness. So Slip of the Tongue releases in 89, gets all the way to number 10. Full Fear Lovin' got to number 37, Deeper the Love got to number 28, Now You're Gone, barely made the Billboard 100 at number 96. This is also a platinum album. My faves on this album are Wings of the Storm, Kid Not Claws, Cheap and Nasty. And for some reason, people absolutely hate this record. It might be the Back in Black effect because it's following up the 87 record. But to me, with Steve on tape, I absolutely love that album. So that's my trilogy for Whitesnake. Do you have a Whitesnake trilogy? I actually don't have a Whitesnake trilogy. Slotted in in 87 are definitely two in the line. When Slip of the Tongue came out, I remember not loving it, and it wasn't because 87 was my back in black. What it was was Whitesnake, to me, was always sort of this blues rock band. And for me, as much as I love Steve Vai, and I do love Steve Vai, he didn't fit Whitesnake. It wasn't that his playing was bad. His playing was great, but he's not necessarily a blues player. <laughs> I mean, Steve can play any style, but you know what I'm saying. It just yeah. it changed the sound complexity too much, and it was just weird for me. Now, I've gone back and found a new respect for that 
slip of the tongue record and I like it, but it's just way different than what White Snake is. I would say that I actually think that the last three records that White Snake has put out, if you don't count the uh, Purple album, where they did a lot of the uh, uh, Deep Purple covers, Good to Be Bad, Forevermore, and Flesh and Blood are actually three really good records. That's the Hoekstra, uh, Red Beach, Doug Aldridge kind of era. And I think those are three great records, in my opinion. So that could be a trilogy for somebody, for a latecomer, a younger fan or something. Yeah. All right. So let's go with some more listener picks. Faster Pussycat made the list. Good Lord. Phil, Phil Myers, I love you, but Faster Pussycat, wake me when it's over a whip. Dude, I can't find one good song on those three records. Not one. <laughs> Uh, I, I am different. Wake Me When It's Over is almost a perfect record for me. Oh I like a lot of stuff on Whipped and so a lot bad. of stuff on the debut. Oh, my God. Ass pollution. Anyway, the Great White made the list. Daniel Peoples and Dave Harden Sr. agreed on Twice Shy, Hooked, and Psycho City. You have to be a Great White super fan to pick those three. I would have picked Once Bitten and Twice Shy back-to-back. I don't know if I'd go. I'd probably go Shot in the Dark before I went to Hooked. Hardcore Superstar made the list. So R.C. Sleaze <laughs> went with Hardcore Superstar, the self-titled Dreaming in a Casket and Beg for It. Okay, good for you. That dude loves that band like no other. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> seems his, like it. His trilogy could be any hardcore uh, records in succession. Yeah. Christopher Powell's not going to invite me to his house ever because <laughs> fucking smell hell no ween, smell no ween, whatever the hell you want to call him. <laughs> made the list somehow with Better Than Raw, The Dark Ride, and Rabbit Don't Come Easy. I I tried. Christopher, I will tell you, I went and tried two songs on each one of those records and could not get through any of the songs. Like, that's, I just can't get through it. Uh, Jolie, went, uh, Jolie went with In Excess. So, uh, Shabu Shuba, The Swing, Listen Like Thieves, and she said you can even throw Kick on there. I would say Listen Like Thieves and Kick, those are automatic. The Swing, I don't know. I like Shabu Shaba. I like Listen Like Thieves. I love Kick. But I actually also like Welcome to Wherever You Are and I like X. So the two after Kick I thought were decent. The Swing has some good stuff on it, but I don't love the whole thing. Yeah. Jimi Hendrix made the list. Well, Jimi Hendrix only has three albums. And Matt Shelton's all, you know what? Are you experienced? Axis Bold is Love and Electric Lady Land should be on the list. You know, are they all three great albums? It depends on if you're a Jimi Hendrix fan or not. To me, none of those albums are perfect. A Jimi Hendrix greatest hits isn't even perfect. But I'm a, and I'm a Jimi Hendrix fan, so you know it's a little bit of the vocal issue for me. But you know, whatever. Uh, Journey made the list. Escape, Frontiers, and Raised on Radio. Now, Curtis Shaver is an old friend of mine. Mark was all over him. Mark was solemn about really Raised on Radio. So that went back and forth a little bit. Jeffrey Prince said. The same three, Neil Humphrey said the same three, Rob Webb said said the same three, and all three of those records are damn good, and it's most of Journey's greatest hits. <laughs> so, Yeah, I mean, the newer stuff for sure. What was before Escape? Was that Departure? Yeah, I think so. I think it goes Infinity, Departure, Escape, right? I think so. I don't have it in front yeah, of me. I can't but. remember. I can't remember. Judas Priest made the list, but three different ways. So Alex Alt went with Screaming for Vengeance, Defenders of the Faith, and Turbo. And Alex, you're about to lose your Judas Priest card with some of these people. Danny Elam, Jolie went with British Steel, Point of Entry, Screaming for Vengeance. Jeff Goss and Steve Libby went with <laughs> Sad Wings of Destiny, Sin After Sin, and Stained Class, which 
I can't even listen to that, Judas Priest. My guess is you are probably a point of entry screaming for vengeance, defender of the faith. So here's the screwy thing about me. I love point of entry. I even like turbo. I didn't love it when it first came out. I love it now. But for me, really what it is, is British Steel screaming for vengeance and defenders of the faith. And that's not consecutive. I, I get that. Oh, that's why yeah. I didn't put it down. But I came into British Steel and screaming for vengeance almost at the same time. British Steel was first. But Screaming for Vengeance was coming out shortly after I got into Priest through British Steel. So I kind of ended up skipping Point of Entry completely and going back to Point of Entry once I got into Screaming for Vengeance. But by then, Defenders of the Faith was already out. So, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a little weird. But my three records are British Steel, Screaming for Vengeance, and Defenders. King Crimson made the list, so Anton Samford said, Lark's Tongues in Aspic, Starless and Bible Black, and then Red. So I'm assuming somebody told King Crimson, you need to simple it up a little. Like maybe, I don't know. King Diamond made the list. Brian Lee Hecht, Abigail, Them in Conspiracy. Alrighty. King's X made the list. Two different ways. So Keith Rochford said, Gretchen goes to Nebraska, Faith, Hope, Love, King's X. Mm -hmm. But Gino Ames and Pete Castelli said, Out of the Silent Planet, Gretchen goes to Nebraska, Faith, Hope, Love. My guess is you were on the second set of that. No, I actually think I'm on Gretchen, Faith, Love, Hope, and King's X. Oh, okay. Yeah, because that King's X record had like Black Flag and some other stuff on it. It's really good. Yeah. Kicks made the list, and these are the exact three I would have picked. Yep. Jeff Reed said, Midnight Dynamite, Blow My Fuse, Hotwire. Yep. I love Hotwire. So, Crocus made the list. Righty, of course. Potter Than Hell. Thank you very much, Righty. <laughs> hardware, One Vice at a Time, and Headhunter. And I'm going to tell you, Hardware and One Vice has some brutal songs on it. I gave Righty a little bit of grief because I, I was like, Hardware, really? One Vice at a Time is decent for me, and Headhunter's great. Those are definitely my two... Uh, entry points into crocus but hardware is a little bit of a rough listen for me yeah la guns made the list phil myers went with la guns cocked and loaded hollywood vampires uh my take on that good desert island meh that's my take there led zeppelin made the list of course so most agreed with one two three mark allen alder um eric peterson said pick any three from their catalog and jeff perry all said one two three but Jeff Goss, Tom S., and Gary Lee Gibson went with four, Houses of the Holy, and Physical Graffiti. 
So I don't know a ton about Led Zeppelin. So Stephen, I guess I'll ask you: Are they like Kiss? They've got those like first three that everybody loves, and then they got the second three everybody loves, but nobody ever says like it's hotter than hell, dressed to kill, and Destroyer. They always either stick with the first three or the second three. Yeah, I think that's a good comparison. I mean, there's there's a lot that you can love about Zeppelin, and all six of those records are pretty much classics and all six of those records have shit that are just, you know, it's iconic to Zeppelin's brand. So <laughs> you can't go wrong with any of those. Lenny Kravitz made the list. Darren Hunt said, mama said, are you going to go my way in circus? And Darren, I would agree with you because I love those three albums. Those are great albums. Uh, Lillian Axe made the list and I'm going to just say Joey D because I don't know how to say his last name. He went with Lillian Axe, love plus war and poetic justice. Uh, I tried it the other day. It's not good. I, I'm sorry. Joey D's last name is Demolette. That's a Bayou name. That's a Cajun name. All right. Brent Walter went with Lit, A Place in the Sun, Atomic, and Lit. And then Brent went on to profess his love for all things Lit. Brent, settle down, dude. Because Lit's okay. <laughs> I don't know enough about him. <laughs> Gino Ames uh, had Living Color. So Living Color, he went with uh, Vivid, Time's Up, and Stain. I don't know a ton about Living Color. Uh, Daniel People went with Marilyn Manson, Portrait of an American Family, Antichrist Superstar, and Mechanical Animals. I can't say I like two Marilyn Manson songs. And then Brennan Brarier went with Meatloaf, Bad Out of Hell 2, Back into Hell, Welcome to the Neighborhood, and Couldn't Have Said It Better, and I can't name two Meatloaf songs I like. <laughs> So there you go with that. <laughs> All right. Holy <laughs> trilogies touching people in different ways. <laughs> That's right. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. Look at all the people here tonight. Oh, man. I got to make an announcement right here. Can you hear me out there? It's time to take a quick break in the action from this week's episode. Sonny and I just wanted to thank all of you, the listeners, for joining us each and every week. Whether you just found us today or have been listening for multiple episodes, we love your passion for music and rock and roll in general. We consider you all part of our loud minority family. Always remember you can communicate with us a few different ways. If you don't mind Facebook, head over to the Growing Up Rock Loud Minority Facebook group and be part of the conversation. It's a private group and all you have to do is ask to join, answer a few rock and roll questions, and you're in. If you despise Facebook, which many people do, then send us an email to growinguprock at gmail.com. We get everything there. You can follow us on Twitter and Insta at Growing Up Rock, which is one word, G-R-O-W-I-N-U-P-R-O-C-K. In the event you feel entertained by our podcast, we would appreciate it if you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode and go leave us a five-star review either at Apple Podcast or Podchaser. Now, back to our regularly scheduled program. All right, so you want to go with your number three and four? Sure. Okay, so my number three is Queensryche. 
And I'll give you a brief history of my background with Queensryche. I got into Queensryche with the EP. That was the first thing I heard, Queen of the Reich, uh, Lady Warblatt, that stuff. So I got the EP, super excited. They got signed to EMI, Capital EMI, I think they got signed to. So I followed up through the magazines as they worked on that first debut record, The Warning. The Warning comes out. I was like, uh, okay. I tried really hard to like The Warning when it first came out, but it was much more polished than the EP, and it was not as raw. And to me, the guitars sounded a little bit sort of subdued. So I didn't love The Warning when it first came out. I was just kind of like, okay. Going back to The Warning now, uh, I like it a lot better than when it initially came out. Fast forward, Rage for Order comes out. And... I guess it might have been just where I was at that time in my life, but I really, really enjoyed Rage for Order. I liked the the different sounds. I like it wasn't just a straight ahead record. I liked it was like a almost a sort of progressive sounding record. I really, really enjoyed Rage for Order. Now, also, that was the first opportunity that I got to see the band live. So you have both the live aspect and the album aspect. And I've talked about that many times. I think it's a full circle when you get to hear the band and see the band live play some of that music. So for me, Rage for Order, I absolutely loved. Fast forward, Operation Mindcrime comes out. Holy shit. This is a whole nother level. Uh, the guitars are heavy. There's a storyline that I, I got with it. I just, I loved everything about Operation Mindcrime from start to finish. I wore that record out. Then comes Empire. Empire was the commercial success that the band had waited on. They're much more polished. The songs are still really good. I still got to see the band live. Out of the three records, I probably like Empire least out of Rage for Order and Operation Mindcrime, but that's just me. I know a lot of people will disagree with that, and a lot of people came in to Queensryche with Empire and the commercial success. But for me, that trilogy is my trilogy, Rage for Order, Operation Mindcrime, and Empire. Those are my three Queensryche records. And Queensryche got a lot of play on this list. So Joe Decker, Gino Ames, Steve Libby all agree with you. Ray Farrell went with Operation Mindcrime, Empire, and Promised Land. God, I don't even think I can name two songs off Promised Land. Wow. And then Ivan Galesick went with The Warning, Rage for Order, and Operation Mindcrime. For me, you know, I, I know I give Jeff Tate a bunch of shit. It's fine. My fave out of your three trilogy is Empire. That probably doesn't surprise anybody because it's more melodic to me. Mm -hmm. Operation Mindcrime, get all the shit out of it and don't make it a concept record. And I like probably, I don't know, half of it. And Rage for Order, I only like probably four songs. So it's hitting, Queensryche's just hit and miss for me until they get to Empire, and then Empire is awesome. And then after Empire, they're hit and miss for me. So Queensryche checks a lot of boxes that I normally don't like. Mm -hmm. But then there's songs in there that's like, it's not like a heavy check. It's like a light check of the boxes. Of They're kind of progressive. They're kind of annoying. Jeff Tate's, eh, sometimes you can grade on me. And God, why is it got to be so, oh, right? And it's like, you know, there's just like things that I check off and I go, what? Then erase, erase. And then check it off. And it's like, I hate this. And then erase, erase. And then it's, so I don't know. Queensryche has always been that push-pull for me. 
But you got to admit, as concept records go, and I know that you've said often you're not a big fan of concept records and and that bands get pigeonholed into trying to make songs fit into a storyline. Operation Mindcrime as a story, as a concept, is fairly straightforward, fairly easy to follow. And all the songs on the record pretty much fit the story. I don't think they tried to make any song fit the story. I think the story flows pretty well. I mean, there was even talk at one point in time they were actually going to make a movie out of this. But do you agree with that at all? It is a good story. I would go see the movie. And the songs do fit well. The problem is I don't like all the songs. Okay, fair enough. Right? So yeah. they fit the songs well, yeah, and the storyline's great, but then it's just too long in the tooth. And then I think the problem with Mind Crime for me isn't that they got pigeonholed into a story, which, you know, that can happen a little bit. It's he's trying to sell the musical theater. Yep. And and when he goes to there, I'm like, dude, okay, you lost me. Yeah. Like, can you come back to rock, please? <laughs> that's sort of Bruce Dickinson as well, though. And that's why I don't have any Maiden. Yeah. Desert Island albums, because when he goes there, I'm just like, really? Yeah. Kind of like, okay, I get it. Loneliness of the long distance runner. But does it literally have to be a long distance song? <laughs> like, can it be five minutes? Does it have to be 15? <laughs> uh, all right. My trilogy number four is the great band from Sacramento, California in Tesla. I absolutely love the first three Tesla records. Mechanical Resonance, Great Radio Controversy, and Psychotic Supper are so freaking good. And if you're a rock fan and you don't like at least most of those three records, then you got issues because I don't know. But there's just so much great stuff on all three of those records. Mechanical Resonance, probably a Desert Island record for me. There's just so much good stuff on there. So that is absolutely my trilogy for Tesla. And they and they put a lot of re- great records out even after those three. But those are my three records. And five people agreed with those exact three. Nick Okenziak, Mark Alden Taylor, Phil Myers, Cal Hins, Rob Webb all agree with those same three. For me, I've said it before. Mechanical is a Desert Island album. Great radio controversy, I like two-thirds of it. Psychotic Supper, I like half of it. Just like Bullet Boys, just like Cinderella, yeah. <laughs> just like Boston, it just kind of started going downhill. Poison's the same way. I actually like the first record, yeah. but then after the first record, I'm like, guys, what are you doing? Yeah, and I actually like the I like it the opposite. I I didn't love the first record, but it got better with Open Up and Say Ah and Flesh and Blood for me. Yeah, so it just you know different tastes. Getting back to some of the listener comments. So Daniel Peoples, Brennan Barrier, Steve Libby 
all said Megadeth, Rust in Peace, Countdown to Extinction, Euthanasia. My guess is if you're a fan, that's mostly what you're going to land on. I guess some would go with Killing is My Business as the first one, maybe. I don't know. But the Rust in Peace is the only Megadeth album I own. is the only one I liked. So uh, Metallica was obviously absolutely going to make this list. And then it was going to depend on which Metallica you liked. Mm-hmm. So the Black Album didn't make the list at all. Stephen Wood and Michael Murphy went with Ride the Lightning, Master of Puppets, and Justice for All. But then Brian Demet, Jeff Goss, Paul Heider, Frank Azzalone, I think, John Harden, Christopher Baker went with Kill Em All, Ride the Lightning, and Master. Most hardcore Metallica fans would probably go with Kill Em All, Ride the Lightning, Master. I'm assuming that's where you would be, too. That is correct. Yeah. Michael Branvold answered. Dude, Branvold, what's up? <laughs> Molly Hatchet, the first three albums. You know what? I actually listened to these three albums. I would say in total, I liked half the songs. So they're they're you know they're easy to listen to. Yeah. Southern rock. Yeah. Monster Magnet, Jesus Christ, made the list. Spine of Gold, Super Judge, Dopes to Infinity, says Samuel Wetz. Alrighty there. Dopes to Infinity is really good. Jeff Goss broke the rules technically, but I'm gonna give him a pass because he went with Motorhead and he said Overkill, Bomber, and Ace of Spades. But technically, On Parole was released before Ace of Spades. But Lemmy never recognized that release because I don't think they got his approval to release it. So since Lemmy didn't recognize it, Jeff, I'm going to give you a pass on that one. Uh, Night Ranger. Neil Humphrey, Steve Libby, I think both of us would end up in the same spot. Dawn Patrol, Midnight Madness, and Seven Wishes. And probably both of us would say Seven Wishes is stretching it. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Ozzy. And then, of course... Steven gets involved in this bullshit. <laughs> so Alex Alt, Danny Elam, Phil Myers, Cal Hintz, four different people at four different times say Blizzard of Oz, Diary of a Madman, Bark at the Moon, and you come over the top and say, really? Bark at the Moon is so bad. I can't. I just don't get it. Like the title track. Okay. The title track's iconic. It's great. Rock and Roll Rebel. Great song. Great riff. The rest of that record sucks ass. Center of Eternity <laughs> blows. That freaking so tired, that ballad. Oh my God. So oh, freaking it's so bad. So, it's so bad. bad. <laughs> and you're gonna put that, you're gonna put that in line with an album like Blizzard and Diary. Are you kidding me? Oh my God. I'm sorry. Like what you like, don't like what you don't like, but Bark at the Moon is just an awful record. And and this was at the height of my love for Ozzy. I saw this tour. It's just not a good record and it and it really doesn't hold up to time like i go back and listen to this record because i was like there must have been something i missed so i went back and listened to this record and i'm like seriously there's two good songs on this record that's it <laughs> pearl jam made the list michael murphy said 10 verses in vitalogy which most pearl jam fans probably end up at the same place Pink Cream 69 made the list because our buddy Lou Scannon got on the list. <laughs> so he went with Pink Cream 69, One Size Fits All, and Games People Play. And I'm telling you why he answered this. He was hoping you would read this. Well, yeah, because that's not only that, that's not even, I don't, those are all made up titles, right? No, those are real albums. Those, those are actually the names of the titles? Yeah, uh, I went and checked it. I, I looked at it, and I was like, there's no way that they're called uh, that there's one called One Size Fits All from a band yeah. called Pink Cream 69. There you go. There you go. Lose, cut that if, and use it however you want. Pink Cream <laughs> 69, bitches. <laughs> uh, Frank A. went with Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon, Wish You Were Here, Animals. I can't get through one song. Uh, Rainbow made the list with Jeff Goss, Adrian Poole, 
Richie Blackmore's Rainbow, Rising, Long Live Rock and Roll. My guess is most Rainbow fans would say the same three. Yeah, all Dio records. Uh, the Ramones made the list with Craig Cohen. Uh, Ramones, Leave Home, Rocket to Russia. I don't know shit about the Ramones. Richard Lean and Cal Hinn said Rat, Out of the Cellar, Invasion of Privacy, Dancing Undercover. Mm-hmm. I will answer that with Almost Desert Island album, Good and Meh. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> R.E.M. made the list with Alan Shaw with Green, Out of Time, Automatic for the People. And I will answer that by OK, Meh, and Bah, Brutal. Automatic for the People is fucking brutal. I'm going back to the rat. It's Desert Island. Great. Pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I'm going to go with my fifth and last band and nobody picked them. And it's because they're newer. Right. And I'm going to go with Hailstorm. Those first three Hailstorm records are absolutely amazing. All three albums have got the same four. So they've been together for over 15 years now. Lizzie Hale on vocal and guitar, Joe H- uh, Hottinger on guitar, Josh Smith on bass, RJ Hale on drums. The first album, the self-titled released in 2009, Desert Island album for me, hit the top 40 on the Billboard 200. They were obviously ready. Atlantic knew what the hell they were doing. It's a gold album. My favorite songs on there are Better Sorry Than Safe, I'm Not an Angel, and It's Not You. Three years later, The Strange Case Of releases, gets the number 15 on the Billboard 200 platinum record. They actually won a Grammy for Best best Hard Rock and Metal Performance for Love Bites, So Do I. <laughs> they won a Grammy. Yeah. Was that a, was that a Freudian slip, breast? <laughs> oh, did I say breast? Sorry, Lizzie. I didn't mean that. I did, kind of. My faves on that record are Mrs. Hyde, Break In, and I Miss the Misery. And then 2015, again, three years later, brings us into Into the Wildlife, which got to number five on the Billboard 200. And you can probably say in the last eight to 10 years, Lizzie's been basically everywhere. I'm kind of hoping she takes over the role of rock representative versus who we have now in Dave Grohl, or as I like to say, leader of Ass Pollution 2, the Pooh years. Hey, mister, don't call that dog lifesaver. No. Call him shithead. My fave off of Into the Wildlife are Amen, What Sober Couldn't Say, and Scream. So I love Hailstorm. I'm not, are you in tune to Hailstorm enough to know these three albums? Yes. Yeah, definitely in tune to Hailstorm to know these three. Out of these three, I'm probably more akin to The Strange Case and Into the Wildlife because that's, that was my entry point after you got me into the band and I went back to the first record. Yeah, I mean, they're all great records. They all got great stuff on them. Are they perfect records for me? No, probably there's a few things on there that I skip around to. uh, But overall, they're great records. And did you happen to watch that uh, Hellfest 2023 thing that I sent you? Or at least the first 10 minutes of it? I'm going to tell you. uh, Okay, so people that know me would say I basically bleed black. I don't really have a heart. I do somewhat, but most people say my heart doesn't show. You sent that video, and I will tell everybody that is a Hailstorm fan that was there from day one, go watch this Hellfest video on YouTube from uh, from this year, 2023. Just watch the first three songs. Dude, my, my eyes were watering, knowing where they have come to from 2009. Like, I was like, it was like proud daddy moment. 
Yeah, because it's it's first of all, it's great shot video and it's great audio. The video yeah. is pro shot. It's not a fan film. It's uh, the whole thing is good. It's the full concert. It's like 47, 50 minutes long or something like that. But the first three songs on there are fantastic. And I mean, she does this thing like acapella before she even comes out backstage and they're shooting this whole thing. And I'm just I'm watching it and I'm getting goosebumps because this is what real rock and roll talent is like this is no no tapes no background no no nothing this is live shit and it is fantastic and you cannot be a rock fan and not dig this when you see it so just google hailstorm 2023 hellfest the concert happened last week or something, but watch the first 10 minutes of it. Watch the first three songs and, and you'll probably end up watching the whole thing. But the first three songs, just incredible. Great stuff. Getting back to the listener list. So Brennan Barrier got Ario Speedwagon on the list. High Infidelity, Good Trouble, Wheels Are Turning. I don't know a lot about Ario. Uh, Rob Webb went with Riot. Narita, Fire Down Under, Restless Breed. I know about as much Ario that I know Riot. The Rolling Stones made the list, and the Rolling Stones have been around a long time. So Michael Murphy went with Let It Bleed, Sticky Fingers, Exile on Main Street. Tony Garcia went from Some Girls to Emotional Rescue to Tattoo You. Pete Castelli went Let It Bleed, Get Your Yayas Out, which is a live concert film, Sticky Fingers, or a live concert tape. And then Neil Johnson and Tim Selby went with Beggars, Banquet, Let It Bleed, Sticky Fingers. So it pretty much stayed, kind of looks like mid-70s to early 80s, right? Is that what that is? Yeah, and and I'm betting that... I'm betting it just comes down to the age of the individuals that are uh, ranking these and where they came into the band because the like tattoo you is uh, starting to get into MTV error uh, stones with uh, some of that stuff, you know? Yeah. And then rush made the list several different ways. And I'm starting to realize that rush fans must be like kiss fans. So they can't agree on anything. So Jeff Goss said hemispheres, permanent waves, moving pictures. Mm-hmm. Anthony Barone went with 2112, a farewell to Kings hemispheres. Mm-hmm. Mark Alden Taylor went with permanent waves, moving pictures, signals. Jeffrey Prince went with grace under pressure, power windows, hold your fire. <laughs> and then Eddie Burns went with a farewell to Kings hemisphere, permanent waves. It all seems like this must be like a five to seven album run, maybe. 
Is that what this is? It is. And a lot of the, so except for Jeffrey with Grace, Power Windows and Hold Your Fire, that's the newer, more keyboard heavy synth uh, rush. So that's very specific to that time period. The majority of people, the hemispheres, permanent mage, moving pictures is all coming after the success of 2112. And then 2112, Farewell to Kings and Hemispheres right in that. The meat of Rush, I would say, that point. So permanent waves and moving pictures means that this guy got into Rush. Then they had the huge album of moving pictures and the success. And then he hung on for signals. Signals is when they're starting to really experiment with keyboards a lot. I mean, that's subdivisions and marathons, stuff like that. For me... I came in on moving pictures, but I went backwards immediately. So I like a lot of the earlier rush because signals was kind of a turnoff for me a little bit. I, I appreciate a lot of that stuff now, but I like the earlier uh, straight ahead rock stuff. Matt Rustovan wanted to make sure I mentioned Saxon did it personally for me says strong arm of the law, denim and leather power and the glory. Mm -hmm. And then later on, Rob Wed says, no, no, no wheels of steel, Strong arm of the law, denim and leather. Yeah. Dude, I, Saxon's not good. No, bumpkin. <laughs> Saxon's great. Yeah, my Saxon is uh, Rob Saxon. Wheels of steel, strong arm of the law, and denim and leather. I liked power and the glory uh, for sure, but I came in at strong arm and den denim and leather and went back to wheels of steel. So those are the, those are the three records for me. Sepultura made the list thanks to Christopher Powell. The mediator between head and hands must be the heart. Machine Messiah and Quadra. All right, dude. Sepultura and Coheed and Cambria need to go out on tour together. Christopher Powell and Dave Clark. I'd be interested if you guys really listen to our podcast. And if you do, do you actually like it? Because it seems like our, our taste in music are very much different. Yeah, because <laughs> Dave Clark went with Slayer. Rain and Blood, South of Heaven, Seasons in the Abyss. I will tell you, I listened to a little bit of Slayer. And those were the three that I would have picked. Those are the three I own. I think the majority of Slayer fans would say the same thing. Yeah. I just, you know, I just can't, I can't do any of that stuff. And if you guys like it, it's all good. Good for you, but not my jam. Striper made the list, but surprisingly enough, not everybody agreed with what they were. So Aaron Hancock, Brian Lee Hecht, uh, both went with Goddamn Evil, Even the Devil Believes, and The Final Battle, which is the three newest records. Brian said he could have added, they both said they could have added Fallen, and then Brian said he could have even added No More Hell to Pay. So obviously he likes the later Striper. Brian Lee Hecht also, and Tony Masalem did two answers on just Striper. They both also liked Soldier Under Command, To Hell with the Devil, and In God We Trust. Casada comes over the top and says, now you got to go back one. It's Yellow and Black Attack. Soldiers Under Command, To Hell With The Devil. And then Tony said he also loves No More Hell To Pay, Fallen, and Goddamn Evil. For me, if I had to pick a trilogy for this, it would be Hell With The Devil, In God We Trust, Against The Law. That would be mine. Yeah, I think it's hard for people because Striper has put out so much great stuff lately yeah. that some of the earlier stuff is is a tough listen for them. For me personally, I mean, Yellow and Black Attack, Soldiers Under Command, and To Hell with the Devil are my Striper trilogy because that's where I came into the band. So that's what it is. And that's not to say that any of the other Striper isn't good Striper. This this latest stuff that they're releasing, 
the final battle and goddamn evil and fallen and all that that stuff's great i mean they're to me they're putting out the best uh material of their career yeah so then alan shaw went with sticks and i'm gonna think that alan is a sticks fan he's probably a pretty big sticks fan Mm -hmm. he went with grand illusion cornerstone paradise theater but didn't he forget pieces of eight is in there somewhere? Yeah. Yeah, he did because <laughs> yeah. I mean <laughs> and and the thing about it is what's funny about that is I mean, that was the big thing, right? They did they did a tour not that long ago where they were playing both those records back to back because <laughs> those were huge records for them. Yeah. So it was Grand Illusion Pieces of Eight tour where they were doing that. Yeah. Cornerstone after for me, because I am a a huge sticks fan. So grand illusion and, and piece of eight are fantastic records. Cornerstone is a bit of a letdown, but then paradise theater paradise theater was actually my entry point into full on sticks albums. So paradise theater for me personally is basically a desert Island record. Sugar cult made the list with Jeffrey Prince, uh, start static palm trees and power lines and lights out. I don't know anything about them. Uh huh. Um, God bless you. Wayne Cross. God bless you, Wayne Cross. Survivor made the list. Vital signs when seconds count too hot to sleep. Dude, if I was going to pick a three, those would be the three I pick. Taylor Swift made the list. Jeffrey Prince went from Sugar Cult to Taylor Swift. Would speak now red in 1989. I'm sure they're wonderful. And then Ridey, of course, has to talk about Ted Nugent. Went with the self-titled record Free For All and Catch Scratch Fever. There's some great songs on those three records Mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah, that brings us to my uh, fifth and final trilogy, and I'm going to go with uh, the second great German rock band on the list for me tonight, and that is the Scorpions. We are from Germany, and I came into the Scorpions at Blackout. That was my introduction to the Scorpions. By God, probably my favorite Scorpions album to this date. Love it. But then I went back to Animal Magnetism. I went back to Animal Magnetism and Love Drop. Love Drop was 50% for me. There was hit or miss stuff on Love Drop that I didn't love. Animal Magnetism I liked a lot. Blackout was a home run. Then they put out Love at First Sting, and I was sold. So my trilogy is Animal Magnetism, Blackout, Love at First Sting. Great records. The height of their popularity here in the States, for sure, uh, were those three records. Absolutely love it. And Danny Miller and Stu Preston agreed with you and love it. First things, a desert Island album for me. And if I was to pick three scorpions trilogy, this would be my trilogy also. So, all right. A few more from the listeners, the Beatles made the list a couple of different ways. So Gary Cap and Joe Schaefer said rubber soul revolver and Sergeant peppers. And then Casada said, well, it's more like help rubber soul and revolver. I don't know a lot about the Beatles, but I do know Casada's wrong a lot. So I'm going to go with Gary. Mm. I would agree with Gary, actually. Rubber Soul Revolver and Sergeant Peppers uh, for me. Uh, Jolie put the cult and the cure on the list. So Love Electric and Sonic Temple for the cult, which most people would agree with that. For the cure, the head on the door, kiss me, kiss me, kiss me, and disintegration. I just don't know a lot about the cure anyway. Tom S. went with the who and went with Tommy, who's next in Quadrophenia. But then Pete Castelli went with the who and went with Tommy, Live at Leeds, and Who's Next. My guess is most of the Who fans would say Tommy, Live at Leeds, and Who's Next. That would be my guess. The Wild Hearts made the list with Brent Milhouse, Earth versus the Wild Hearts, the PHUQ record, which 
I guess phonetically spells fuck. And then fishing for luckies. Okay. Don't know a lot about that. Our buddy Rob from uh, the cruise and Daniel Peoples went with Twitsa Sister. Under the blade, you can't stop rock and roll and stay hungry. For most Twister Sister fans, they would probably go with the same three. Murph, of course, Murph has got to answer with goddamn you two. The Joshua Tree rattled and hum and Actung Baby, and I get it. There's a uh, man, there's probably 12, 14 hits on those three records. I just don't like you two. So. And then Van Halen made the list, which, of course, Van Halen's going to make the list. Van Halen 1 went Van Halen 2, Wilman and Children first. Makes sense. David Rudot, Tom S., Brian Knapp, Anthony Laro, Michael McClellan. Okay, makes sense. VH2, Women and Children first, fair warning. That also makes sense. I guess if you don't like the VH1 record, maybe. Jeff Goss said that one. But then Christopher Luke, who probably is a huge Van Halen fan, said fair warning, 1984, <laughs> Did he forget Diver Down? <laughs> Obviously. Yeah. I mean, honestly, the first six Van Halen records, you can do it any any way. You can chop up that six records into a threes and go for it. Go one, two, three. Go two, three, four. Go three, four, five. Any way you want to do it. It doesn't matter. The first six Van Halen records are perfect. They're brilliant records. Uh, I, I understand some people are going to like this one better than that one or whatever, but it's just great. Yeah, you can go any way you want. So whatever but yeah don't don't omit diver down it's a great summertime <laughs> record dude i actually probably this is gonna be a sin i don't care i actually probably like diver down at least at this moment in time i probably actually like diver down better than i like 1984 as far as summer records go and uh yeah whatever <laughs> if i had to go with the van halen trilogy nobody would pick mine it would be diver down 84 5150. Yeah, that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Hey, Hollywood, you know what time it is. Let's connect it to Kiss. You wanted the best, and you got the best. The hottest band in the world, Kiss. So, obviously, we got a bunch of KISS fans listening to us. 19 people picked KISS, okay? Rod, I think it's Strachan, said, Hot in the Shade, Revenge, Carnival of Souls. Bless you, Rod, okay? <laughs> Pete Castelli went with Alive, Destroyer, Rock and Roll Over, okay? Tom S. and Jolie went with KISS, Hotter Than Hell, Dressed to Kill, which is the first three. Jeff Trott, our buddy, went with Crazy Nights, Hot in the Shade, Revenge. Okay, he's an 80s KISS guy, no problem. But the most popular one, picked by 14 people, Alex Holt, Lee Westy, Danny Elam, Daniel Peoples, Michael Murphy, Danny Miller, Dave Koska, Tom S., Joey Casada, Phil Myers, Matt Fraley, Jolie, Brennan Barrier, Neil Humphrey, all went with Destroyer, Rock and Roll Over, and Love Gun. So, since so many people went with those three, we figured we'd pick a song from one of those three. So, here is Kiss with Ladies Room.
room what is your trilogy of kiss what's your holy trilogy you have one yeah if i have to pick one i think i would end up at i would end up at animalize asylum crazy nights Mm. if i have to pick a makeup one i probably land on kiss hotter than hell dressed to kill because destroyer just has some songs i cannot stand Mm -hmm. so non-makeup for me would probably be lick it up animalize and uh asylum that's my trilogy of non-makeup destroyer rock and roll over and love gun are probably my probably my makeup years destroyer has a lot of good stuff but it also has um <laughs> it, all, it also has great expectations <laughs> which is really rough so yeah i mean look uh, you can't go wrong with uh, Destroyer, Rock and Roll Over, Love Gun. I got to love, God bless Rod, Hot in the Shade, Revenge, and Carnival of Souls, huh? Wow. wow. Okay. All right. All good. <laughs> <laughs> so, interesting episode. Very surprising. Like, after I put out the, the Facebook post, I text you and I'm like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> we obviously hit a nerve with these people. <laughs> and uh, I didn't know there was so many. Uh, I don't agree with them all, but like you said, music is what it is. And it all kind of ends up, you know, where you stepped in. It's a little bit of a longer episode, but people took their time and energy to answer us. And I wanted to make sure that we shared what they had because, you know, I don't know, maybe there's a Sepultura fan out there that didn't know they had a Holy Trilogy. I don't agree with the Holy Trilogy, but maybe somebody does. Yeah, it's definitely subject to your personal taste and stuff, but yeah, I mean it's it's definitely interesting and I wanted to use the the term holy trilogy because a lot of people talk about well what are your what are your favorite, you know, three records? What's your holy trilogy of rock and roll? And it should be consecutive records like that. Maybe we do an episode in the future where we say a band that had two and the next record was a piece of crap. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't know what you call There's that. a lot of those. Yeah, those, exactly. That I can name 50 bands. Probably. You know, so who knows? But yeah, we've talked about debut records, and uh, this is definitely different than that. But long episode, great feedback. Thanks for everybody that participated. This is what we, this is what I love about the podcast and the discussions that we have because uh, we can get the listeners involved just like this. These are the conversations we have sitting in that bar, right? right? (laughs) That is absolutely right. So thank you for listening. Thank you for participating. And as we said before, if you missed out on the participation, most of the time we go to the Facebook loud minority group. So uh, make sure you join there. Yep. Thanks to Pantheon Podcast and all the great podcasts over at Pantheon, the place for music lovers. Go check out the Pantheon Podcast Network. We are proud members of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Until next week. See ya. Later. That's the show. So let's shuffle, rattle, and roll us out of here. 
Until next week, always remember, peace, love, and rock and roll. Like what you're hearing? Share this episode out. Post it to your favorite social network and let people know you're listening to the Growing Up Rock podcast. It will help us grow and we greatly appreciate it. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.